If you answer questions, answer loudly. If you pray, pray loudly. We want Greg and Pam to hear. That, uh, Pam, Pam, this is really for Pam. We love Greg, but we really love Pam even more. And Greg's going to hear this, and he's, he's going to know it to be true. Uh, she, she texted me last night, asked, asked for me not to forget to record. So I didn't forget. Hopefully it works. So before we begin, let's let's pray. And Garrett, would you would you open us up with prayer? Certainly will. Father, we just praise you today, Father. Um, we praise you always, but today especially we praise you for your son Jesus. Father, that you did not spare him. Father, we had all sinned against you and fallen short of your glory. Father, that you've made a way for us to come back to you through your son, Father. Especially today, Father, we 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 um, celebrate the, the resurrection of your son Jesus. Father, today as we as we're here, Father, just open our ears to hear the things that Gil has to say. Father, help us to um, to, to put those words in our heart, Father, and to, to use them to be closer to you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Alright, so this morning we're going to be moving into Second Peter, uh, looking at chapter one. So by way of re- of review, now remember Greg's listening here. Greg's gonna be listening to this, so y'all doing proud. Uh, what was the purpose of Peter writing his first epistle? Somewhere. So, anybody know where? Everywhere. Everywhere. And so, how do we respond according to uh, Peter's first letter? How how are we to live? What are we to do through this encouragement? Live holy, obedient lives. Live holy and obedient lives. All right, so his language in his second epistle is a bit different. But his purpose is also different. So, understandably, his language is going to be different. So he opens up his second epistle for the purpose of reminding believers. Of what exactly is he looking to remind believers? It's in our book, it's in... It's in Second Peter. I'm just giving you hints. This is going to be a really short lesson, or this is going to be a really good one. <laughs> Could be short and sweet. Confirm your calling. Okay. So, confirm your calling in light of what? Our salvation. Of our salvation, but in light of what? There's is some persecution, but that's not the primary reason. False teachers. False teachers. There we go. False teachers. So so Peter is is thinking back on his first letter, and he's thinking, you know what? I've taught them to, to persevere. I've taught them to to hold fast through persecution. <laughs> I've taught them to to stand strong. Now, what if somebody teaches them wrongly? What if someone teaches them wrongly, but also teaches them to live wrongly. 
imitate for them how to live wrongly and not imitate how they're to live according to Christ. So, he's exposing these false teachers. And in doing so, he's reminding these believers that by God's grace, we live in a way that's different. A way that is pleasing to God. So, the only way this is possible is how. How do we live in a way that's pleasing to God? How is it all made possible? Is it Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit does what? Gives understanding to the Word. Gives understanding to the Word. But what's that initial thing the Holy Spirit does? Regeneration. Regeneration. Explain regeneration to me. Uh, supernatural change of the heart from seeking ungodly things to loving God. Okay. Now how do we see that in our in our everyday life? First. Very very first beginning. Very first time we ever see regeneration in our life. Repentance. Repentance. Which leads to what? Somebody else on this side. Repentance leads to what? Thank you, Scott. He's sitting over here. I, I see him over here. <laughs> Salvation. Which is where we're, where we're going this morning. And, and that's where our book goes. And in fact, the title of the book, uh, of this lesson, is Know Your Salvation. So, we know that the only way that we are to, going to live a, a life that is pleasing to God is through salvation, right? So, what does salvation look like in our lives? Caleb hit on it a little bit with regeneration. How, how does it look? What does it look like to be saved? Evidence in our fruit. Evidence in our fruit. Reflect Christ. Not walking according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So, if this is how salvation looks, how are we saved? A gift. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. Y'all speak up so Greg can hear. <laughs> so it's a gift, and we are saved by grace through faith. So what does this have to do with Peter's concern with false teachers? They're trying to add to the gospel, certainly. They're trying to take away from the gospel. So we got both ends of the spectrum here. We got addition. We got subtraction. We're selling false hope. False hope. So as Peter's looking back at that first epistle, he's growing increasingly concerned about false teachers, about their heretical doctrine and their immoral lifestyles. So what again does this have to do with salvation? Let's, let's think back to our definition of salvation, how we, how we define what salvation looked like. We're saved by grace. It's completely by the work of Christ. It's no effort of our own. 
I mean, there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, right? Nothing we can do that can restore a heart of flesh where a heart of stone previously laid. So let's jump into 2 Peter, verses 1 through, uh, chapter 1, 1 through 4. And Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there for a second. Obtained a faith. Obtained a faith. How, how did they obtain this faith? They heard and believed. Let me see if I get going into this here. All right, so we're going to keep going. So, uh, of an equal standing with ours. So they have a faith that is of an equal standing with the apostles. We have obtained a faith of equal standing with the apostles. So let's, let's read on. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire so so we we see several interesting things here first we see that peter is writing to those who have obtained faith this faith is defined in that it is of equal standing with the apostles, as, as I just noted. So this faith is the same as those who walked side by side with Jesus. It's the same faith as those who walked with Jesus through Passion Week, which we've just been reflecting on this past week leading up to Resurrection Sunday today. So the same faith is the same as those who walked with Jesus through that Passion Week. Same faith as those who stared up at Jesus from the crowd as he hung on the cross. Same faith as those who, who saw him buried in the tomb. The same faith of those that saw him and saw or witnessed to him raising victoriously from the grave. The same faith as those who saw him ascend on the right hand to the right hand of the Father. So think, think about our faith here this morning. I mean, we, we've been talking about faith for how many months now? Uh, as John's been preaching from Hebrews 11. I mean, we've been, we've been looking at the faith of, of those forefathers, those who came before us. Consider Consider the faith we have. Consider the faith they had. What, 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 what do we do with that? I mean, I mean, really, what what do we do with a faith that we share of equal standing with those who walk with Christ? 
What do we do with it? How do we live? We should share it. We should share it, certainly. How does it affect how we live? Tremendously. How, does, how should it affect how we view God? How we view Christ? He should be first and foremost in everything we do. Should be. Yeah. It should cause us to seek Him more. Seek Him more, yeah. So then we get to verse 3. And we see that His divine power has been granted. Given to us all for a purpose. Thus we've been saved for a purpose. Right? We, we agree that we've been saved for a purpose. We've had, we have obtained a faith by the righteousness of God, our Savior Jesus Christ, so that by this great work we might be empowered by a power that is foreign to that of our own. And it pertains to life and godliness. So if it's pertaining to life, it has to do with where we live, right? And this divine power comes through what? This divine power that grants us all things that pertain to life and godliness. By knowing him. I think Garrett read some school lesson. <laughs> By knowing him. Alright, so one more question. How do we receive this power that pertains to life and godliness? It's through the word. Through the word. So knowing him through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Peter right gives the answer. So why? Why through the knowledge? So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You see, this isn't rocket science. If it was, I would not be up here teaching. Greg would be up here teaching. Uh, This is why Greg let me teach uh, lesson nine. But oftentimes, we live with our sin as though it is. It is rocket science. As if we have this issue with sin and we just we just don't know what to do with it. We it's just it's brain sensory everything overload. And we just we just wallow in it. Or am I am I the only one who feels this way? No, but I mean, I mean verse three alone tells us we have no excuses. That's right. Because he's already given us all things to defeat our own sin. That's right. That's right. So, so we, we've we been saved for a purpose, and that purpose is not to wallow in sin. So if I go over to Dell Sporting Goods, pick up red and black Raiders jersey, some basketball shorts, some Jordans, even though Tommy doesn't sell Jordans. I don't know why. But in basketball, I'm going to expect for you to be a basketball player, right? If I buy you that gear... I'm going to expect for you to play basketball, right? Max, if I go National Welders over here, buy you a welding helmet, buy you some gloves, 
some uh, 7018 uh, welding electrodes, uh, welder, all, all, all the gear you need. I'm gonna expect for you to, to weld something. So if, if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grants to us His divine power, should we be surprised that the outcome is the divine nature? Should we be surprised? Should we be surprised when we sin and we say, we realize, you know what? This isn't what God's got for us. He's got something a little more than sin. Actually, He's got something a lot more than sin for our lives. Now, what, what do y'all hear whenever you hear divine nature? And while, while y'all think about that, I'm going to see if I can turn the fan on over here. What, what, do you, what do y'all think about? What comes to mind when you think of divine nature? Where's the fan? Thank you. Divine nature. That he's like God. He's like God. He is God. He is God. Okay. So, Peter's not saying we're going to become. Thank you, Scott. It's, it's like instant relief here. <laughs> it's not not that all of a sudden we're like little gods just because we've been regenerated, right? That's that's not the intention here. That's 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 not the goal. Rather, we've been been made new creations. New creations by virtue of having been born again through Christ. So, how, how does that look to be made like God here? Our desires change. Our desires change. We're new, we're, we're new creations. Our desires change. We were going to start fitness aerobics after this. And then when we're apart from that, we feel, we feel away from that. Right. We steer back towards divine nature. That's right. Say our allegiance has changed. Our allegiance has changed. Yeah. We, 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 we cannot wallow in sin. Because we've been freed from the power and the hold that sin has over our lives through Christ. This world has no hold over us through its fallen, sinful nature. And so through, so here uh, in these few verses, Peter's reminding us that our salvation is ultimately sustain, sustained by God's power. Right? Uh, he holds it he sustains it. So let's move on to verses uh, 5 through 7. For this very reason. Alright, so Greg was here. He would ask, what reason? What reason are, are we, is, is Peter writing here? What's, what's the reason? The stuff before. What is the stuff before? Someone who was in here and wasn't playing guitar. Salvation you have received. So, since you have received this salvation, you've been granted this power that pertains to life and godliness. Make every effort to supplement your faith 
with virtue. Uh, who's got a different version here? Instead of supplement, what, what do you what do you have? Yeah. Add. To add, so we're adding to, we're supplementing, we're we're building upon our faith. We're we're bringing it all together here. So supplement your faith, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So let's consider well, these particular virtues, uh, what, what they are, and why we supplement them with one another. So, so we have faith with virtue. What is faith? Anybody want to give me the book's definition? Or, or your definition? I said belief. Belief. All right. Anybody want to add to that? <coughs> belief in what? Things you haven't seen. Things you haven't seen. Our book describes it adding to faith in that they are to add to their full and complete devotion to the marvelous faith and grace given first by God. It blows it up. It blows up our belief, our understanding of what we have not seen. So we're, we're to supplement our faith with virtue. What is virtue? Excellent moral character. And how is our excellent moral character demonstrated? As, as, as Greg talked previous weeks, looking at, at elders, let's just, we're, we're going to put me and Garrett on the spot here. As, as, as we consider how, how you call an elder. How do we call a deacon? How do we decide who's going to be a home group leader? Qualifications that are given to us in Scripture. Qualifications. And they... How, how, how do you see those qualifications? How they live. And how they live. It's outward. So, by, uh, if we're supplementing our faith, what we believe with how we live, it's the outward... Uh, demonstration of our life. So, our moral excellence is seen outwardly and powerfully in our lives. So, virtue with knowledge. So, we've, we've looked at virtue. What about knowledge? What is knowledge? Wisdom. Wisdom. Is it, is it, is it just talking about what we learn in school? Understanding the Word of God. Understanding the Word of God. And what does that develop as far as our relationship with God goes? Not, not quite there yet. Understanding of the character of God. Understanding of the character of God. Which goes deeper, right? Truth. Husbands, how do you how do you know your wives? Wives, how do you know your husbands? You spend time with them. How, how, how do you, so the only way to develop intimate knowledge of your spouse is to spend time with them, right? I think I've used this the last three times I've taught and preached. How, so, so 
if we spend time with our spouse and we get to know them intimately, closely, not, not just in the sexual sense, but closely as in getting to know their deepest thoughts, knowing what makes them tick, what makes them angry, what makes them happy. I mean, husbands, does it make your wife happy to bring her home flowers? Unless you're Caleb's uh, wife, and you just you just struck out there. Uh, wait, wait. Paige, you like flowers coming coming in the house, right? You like plants. Plants. Okay, okay, we're 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 getting somewhere. We're 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 getting to Paige's heart language here. She likes plants. So when Michael goes to Lowe's, no matter what he's getting, he can be buying a. a Box of eight penny nails, or, or two of fours, or or new tools, or, or he could go and buy Paige some plants while he's there, and know that when he goes home, Paige is going to light up. She's going to be happy because Michael considered her heart, considered her, considered what she likes. Because Michael has intimate knowledge of his wife, he knows what makes Paige tick. He also knows to not go home with a truckload of bricks because that's not going to make Paige happy, right? There we go. So, intimate knowledge works both ways. So, it's not just a superficial knowing. See, to me, Paige liking plants, that's superficial knowing. I'm never going to buy Paige a plant. I might dig you one up out of my yard, but I'm not going to buy you one. But as the book describes it, our knowledge this intimate knowledge is strength is a strengthened form of knowledge, a strengthened form, implying a larger, more thorough, intimate knowledge. That's a pretty, pretty powerful knowledge, isn't it? That's knowledge on steroids right there. So, moving on, knowledge with self-control. Lila, you said something about self-control? Which is? You don't forget what you said? Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So, self control. What is self control? Discipline. Discipline. Restraint. What, what if I said it was life being practiced with control and discipline? It's a balance. Because all of these virtues here we're looking at re relate to our lives. So self-control, steadfastness, or perseverance, as uh, some of your uh, translations may say. What is that? What is perseverance? What is steadfastness? Over time, holding it. Holding firm. Straining on towards towards the end, towards the goal. So, so we, we, we understand this in our marriages. We understand this well in that we're, we, we don't put an expiration date on our marriages, right? If we want them to last. If we want anything to last, we don't put an expiration date on it. We put an expiration date on a gallon of milk we got in the fridge because we know it's going to come to an end, usually before it runs out. But our marriages, our relationship with God, does not have an expiration date on it. 
is steadfast. So steadfastness with godliness. Or to be godly. To live reverently, loyally, and obediently towards God. Godliness with brotherly affection. How does that one look? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. How so? How do we sacrifice for one another? How do we sacrifice here at Grace? We certainly sacrifice in our humility. Where we live, folks. Pray. We pray for one another. Walk alongside. What happens when we walk alongside in brotherly affection? You open a can of worms, I'm going to let you serve it up for us. Look one another's mess when we're right there in it with them, isn't it? So I think on the flip side, being transparent with your own struggles, yeah. open. A lot of times it's hard to ask for help, but sometimes we definitely need it. Yeah. Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song called "Rainy Day People." If you've never heard the song. It's, it's pretty depressing. But rainy day people need rainy day people. People who, who are struggling, going through stuff, who are depressed, who have issues, they need other people who's, who can empathize with them, who know the mess they're in, who's seen the mess, uh, who probably more than likely has been in the mess. Who can love them? Good times and bad. Which brings us to our next one. Brother, brotherly affection with love. So so what what is... Why, why would Peter bring love here whenever he's just talking about brotherly affection? I mean, of course we're, we're talking brotherly affection. We, we love one another, right? So why would Peter repeat love? It does. What else does love do? It draws close. It draws close, it doesn't keep distance. Yeah. You see, I, I see what, what I'm seeing is the main difference here is brotherly affection is what we're doing right here in the four walls of the church, whenever we go outside the church, when we gather together, 
how we live with one another. And I see love exploding out of that, overflowing out of that, and how we live for everybody to see, how we interact with everybody, and how we love all people, how we love the people at the checkout line at the grocery store, how we love those people we work with who are hard to love, how we love not only those who are saved, who are not part of our fellowship here at Grace, but how we love the lost. How we take that knowledge that Robert mentioned and take it to the lost, sharing it. Now, this is not an eight-step program to supplement your faith. These are not, okay, I got faith. Checked it off. Virtue. Checked it off. Knowledge. Still working on it, but it's close enough. I'm checking it off. We, 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 either, we, we either have it or we don't. So, so Peter's saying that each of these virtues, each and every one of these virtues is a result of faith. And our faith is confirmed by the bearing of these fruits. Does that mean we're going to do these all perfectly? No. We're not, we're, we're, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to accomplish each of these virtues perfectly. Let's move on. Uh, verses uh, 8, 8 through 11. And we're, going, we're almost done here. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these qualities are true, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. So this, this is that confirming here, that uh, making our calling and election sure, if they're true. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I want to read that, that again. I, I want that, that one to sink in there. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Wow. That's pretty harsh. For anyone who lacks these qualities, Peter calls them spiritually blind. Accusing them of actually forgetting that they have been cleansed. Not just cleansed, but forgetting the very work that was accomplished to cleanse. 
lost men, lost women. Without a way in this world, enslaved to sin, forgetting that Christ took those lashings, that Christ took our shame, that Christ went to the cross on our behalf, that He died, was buried in a tomb, descended to hell, but praise God, rose victoriously on the third day. That's why we gather here today to testify to this truth. Forgotten. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we never be found to have forgotten that we've been cleansed, that we've been forgiven, that we've been saved. And should we be found in this forgetful state, then we repent. May we return our gaze upon Christ. Does anyone have anything to add there? Any, any thoughts there? Go ahead. Um, it's just just thinking, like you know, when it says those who you know lack these things, like it could be someone who is very doubtful, mm-hmm. um, like lives in a constant state of um, not being sure if they're saved. Um, but this passage, you know, gives proof that you can be assured of your salvation. Like that's just such a gift from God to just know for sure that we're His children. Um, and just the importance of practicing the word um, and putting the pedal to the metal um, or where the rubber meets the road, you know, it's working out these things. And, you know, it's also, yes, it's something that the Lord does in our heart, but we also have to work out our faith with fear and trembling and continue to grow in these virtues and seek the Lord and to do His will daily. Right. For me, verse 8, jump off what she said. It says, ineffective or unfruitful. Knowing that none of us are, are too good, too strong to be here, confess Christ, and yet be unfruitful and ineffective. <coughs> and so knowing again that it's only by faith in Christ's power that holds us, but knowing that, you know, checking our hearts and you know, trusting the Lord through that and crying out for him to help us to not be ineffective enough before. Um, like she said, that we would be sure of our salvation because of what Christ has done for us. And so I think it's just a big warning sign. You know, check your heart. You want to be unaffected or unfruitful. Look at these things and come back to Christ because he's, he's merciful. He's lowly. Um, there's no one in the heart you can't say to him. Very good. I think the calling and the elections uber important to the right mind frame of not boasting in anything that you did. You started by saying mm-hmm. this morning or this morning. Uh, it's, we can't boast in any of this. None of this comes in of our own self. We're even a part.
partial ability to kind of meet God halfway. Right. 100%. If we're going the opposite way with absolutely no desire to do any of those things that you read, uh, any of those qualities, any of those things, and you were grasped, turned, and made right, and then you look at the world, and that gives you the right perspective to say, I had nothing to do with this. Now, in my calling and in my election, I have, um, I don't want to call it things, but I have, I don't even want to call it duties. I don't, I don't know what you call it, but um, it lets you look at non-believers, in my opinion, in a different light. But pray for their salvation. Pray for, really, for their calling. And their yeah. Those works don't save us, but now because we're saved, we're going to make every effort as an outflow of our faith to do those things because they serve Christ. And that's ultimately who we serve, and it's a blessing to the So, circling back to the false teachers, right. two bookends for false teachers are one that God was too good to come to Jesus couldn't be God because God was too good to come to lowered himself to our level versus that Christ is not enough. And, and, and right, right off the bat, verse 3, Peter strikes both of those down. Right? His divine power. Jesus was a God. That's where his divine power came from. And then four, which is granted, there's nothing else required. It's not it's not God, it's not Jesus wasn't God, it's nothing more than him. Right. Following those two verses. Right. Yeah. Very good. I think we're out of time. Thank you guys. Thank you for your comments. Next time, I, sh- I should have went my original plan and just done like I did do a whole group, let y'all teach. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Let's pray, and we'll head out. Dear Lord, we thank you. Thank you for for your sacrifice made on our behalf. But Lord, thank you that you did not stay in the grave. That Lord, we come here together this morning to celebrate the fact that on the third day you rose victoriously. That death could not hold you. You know, through your work. We have obtained salvation, not of our own doing, but everything of your doing, Lord. And we thank you. Lord, we thank you that it is possible that through through your work that, that we can live lives that are that bear these attributes, these these virtues, Lord. That we can come to you, that we can reflect you, that we can imitate you, that we can be made into your image, Lord. And Lord, we, we ask that you would continue to mold us, continue to, to make our calling and election sure, to continue to sanctify us, and continue to use us for your honor and for your glory. Lord, bless us as we go to the worship hour, and Lord, just call us on to you and always say and do. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.